Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello everyone and welcome back to a brand new episode of The Roker Report, a podcast dedicated to the trials and tribulations of Sunderland and its fans. Tonight I'm joined as ever by some wonderful people, all writers from RokerReport.com. Uh, it's your first step for Sunderland news and opinion, do be sure to check it out, we'll talk more about that after the podcast. But for now, Gav, Graham and James, how are we doing tonight gentlemen? Not so bad. Not so bad. All good. Hi. Evening. Yeah. All right. Evening. Hung over, but I'm all right. Hung over. Yeah, you were at the match one, yeah. We'll talk to you a little bit uh, about that soon. Aye. <laughs> Aye. Well, yeah, let's begin with the crucial stuff first, though. Let's start right at the top of the list of club priorities. Not really, though. So, warming up, let's talk about the new kit. What do you make of it, Gav? Do you think it's as bad as everyone's saying it is? No, I love it. I think it's lush. Ooh. But I'm weird like that, you know. Big fan. Um, <laughs> I, I think it's nice, I do. I think it's different. They've tried to... Um, I, heard a, I heard a radio advert the other day, and they're trying to link it back to the first ever red and white strip we had in the 1800s. Mm. Um, I'm not so sure about that. That might just be coincidence that they've done the thin stripes. I don't think anybody consciously made that choice. But I, I think it's all right. I don't, I don't mind the back actually. People, I, I think that's the way I think generally. Though, if people, everyone hates something, I tend to like it. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> that looks nice though. It does I thought? I thought the pictures I've seen from the games and stuff. It looks, it looks canny. It looks better and you know on the players than it does um, those fans I had. Dressed, dressed up in kits for the kit yeah. launch. Yeah. But uh, it's nowhere near as bad as people made out, I don't think. No, it seems alright to me, to be honest. I mean, I'm quite a big fan, I've said already, of the the like, the like little black outline that goes around the emblem. I think that's quite tasteful. It like, sort of drags out the colour of it, do you know what I mean? But there is a lot made by some people over things like that, isn't there? Like, it is a really big deal to some people. Some people really do care that the kit's crap because it's like it's symbolic of everything that they find already terrible about the club. I suppose some people just enjoy a, a big whinge. I don't know. A whinge about everything. It's yeah. just a kit. I, honestly, I don't think I could care less. Like, no, so, care. If, we, if we win the league, you know, we'll love the kit. If yeah, we get relegated, we'll all hate the kit. We'll cherish it, won't we? I suppose that you're absolutely right. It all depends on what happens. If it's a great season, then it'll go down in our minds as like one of the best kits ever, I suppose. I don't know. I'm not really... I'm not a big fan of the huge red panel on the back, but... As you said, I'm not really that fussed. I suppose there is a small argument, some small argument for the people that, because you get them that go out every season, they buy the new kit and it's like they're the first ones there to get it. Do you know what I mean? People like that. Some people, 
So I can see how they might be a bit gutted in a way if it's not the design they want. But I mean, when you look back at some of the fucking some of the shape we've all got in our wardrobes, see what I mean? It's like some proper horrible manky stuff. Some of the kits from back in the day, some of them are beautiful, but some of them are just absolutely terrible. The mustard yellow one. Yeah, the mustard yellow one, one. man. That's the classic. That that was the one I was thinking of when I was saying it. Who was sponsoring us with that? Lamptons. Was it Lamptons? Lamptons I thought it was Lush. I've got that in long sleeve. I found it on eBay. Oh, long sleeve one. Oh, that's terrible. That's almost Mm -hmm. as bad as the the goalkeeper kits from the 90s, man. Going to say the keeper kits are rank. (laughs) Right, but yeah, moving on anyway to more important matters. So, unless Graham, you've got something to say about the kit, mate. What do you think? Eh, it's minging. Oh, there we go. There's another one. Uh, I, I, nah, I, just, I mean, I seen it yesterday properly for the first time in the flesh at the match, and it just looked. Oh, I, I don't know. Everyone's everyone's used an explanation uh, for well, how bad it looks, but it's it's rank in the flesh. Like, I mean, it's a strip; it doesn't matter. But it's I, I won't be purchasing, shall we say? <laughs> Fair enough. Well, each to their own. So moving on, we've got um, we're talking about Simon Grayson. Certainly the most important thing that's happened since the last time we brought you an episode. As we all know, things fell through with Derek McInnes, and then things fell through with a takeover. And it seemed like, I don't know, that Grayson was sort of waiting in the wings because it seemed to happen quite quickly, didn't it, Gav? The, the way that sort of, that came together. Do you know what I mean? It, it didn't seem like something like mm. they were, they had to rush out and get someone last minute. It seemed like they were no. already prepared with Grayson. What do you make of him? Um, I, I like what I've seen so far and heard. I think, I think, the most important thing that a manager could have done re- replacing David Moyes was to come and, and at least show the positive about being here, show that they're hopeful they can make a change. Um, maybe maybe touch on some of the, the, the issues we've raised, you know, as a fan site and, and as all the fans have within the club. But he wants to he wants to improve everything that's wrong with the place, which is you know sound bites generally. You know, I mean, it, anybody can say. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. But um, I do believe the words that come out of Grayson's mouth. I think he's I think he's a pretty likeable guy. You're seeing the amount of people that came out when he was given the job to to give him a pat on the back and say, you know, he deserves a big a big job. Mm. Um, it, it kind of speaks for itself, doesn't it? He's, he's obviously went round a lot of smaller clubs where the budgets have been perhaps, you know, not very competitive in the league that they're in, whether that be League League Two or the championship. And he's and he succeeded to an extent, you know, he's he said it himself in his first interview with with the club website. I've I've generally left every club I've been at in a better position than when I took them on, which I guess is the point of them being here. We need somebody to stabilise the club. Um David Moyes wasn't that man, it was evident. Uh, I, I had pinned my hopes on Derek McInnes coming and, and and uh, maybe implementing some of the things that he had done at Aberdeen, but when you, you know, when, the more you think about Grayson, he's probably more suited to the job than McInnes was, um, which ultimately makes him a better choice, I guess, in that sense. And even if he wasn't first choice, I'm fairly happy with the decision made. I think, I just think that, you know, you you, you hear the guy speak, and he, he's obviously very, very. Um, you know, happy to be here, but he, of course, he wants to succeed. Everybody wants to succeed when they get into a job. But mm. you, you get the feeling that whatever he done at other clubs, he could do here with a bit of extra backing and some better, I don't know, some better resources. I guess better training facilities, better stadium, mm. bigger fan base. You know, there's not there's everything's there to suggest that what he did at Preston, what he did at Leeds, what he did at Huddersfield, to an extent he could do here, but on a big 
a scale. So no, I'm very happy. I think I think so far so good. He's he's definitely said all of the right things, and um, it's hard to really take anything from the games that we've played so far because the performances mean very little, particularly in the first few preseason games. But it's nice to see some of the kids get a chance. He spoke highly of Josh Madger, which um, gives us some indication as to what he's going to be doing next season because we know that funds are tight and some of the kids are going to have to be used well you know for him to, to highlight certain ones who've impressed him in training and even players like Reese Greenwood who had a bad season last year and he gave uh, sorry he gave Molyneux a start um, who's a who's a kid who just came through in the under 23 so he's obviously seeing things in training thinking yeah you got you know you've deserved your start you, you'll get a chance to impress us and Madger definitely took that against Berry. so yeah, I'm, I'm I'm happy so far. I think it's early days, but we can't complain. Can't complain so far. I'd agree with you. I think um, it was it was very unsunderlandy the way the deal was done. I mean, it got done so quickly, didn't it? It didn't seem to drag on at all, mm. um, which was music to our ears, considering what happened with Derek McGuinness and, and and the takeover. But he seems to be making all the right noises. You know, he's positive. Uh, I I don't think it's just lip service. I certainly hope not. Um, but he seems fairly straight talking. Um, as Gav said, he seems really happy to be here, which we said this a few weeks ago when Moyes was here. It seemed like he was almost doing us a favour by being here. He seems to like see this as a really big step up. This is a big opportunity for him. And, um, you know, that's what we need. I mean, if he can, there's certainly a better feel around the place already. Um, hopefully, if we start the season well, that can only continue. Um, the things he does with them. Um, with youth, I think one of the main reasons I'm getting excited about his appointment because so many, uh, so many of these young players don't seem to get a chance, and even within a few weeks, we seem to have seen more of them than we have in the past few years, which is you know quite exciting, especially when you say George Josh Madger looks looks a hell of a player. I know it's only pre-season, but he certainly does look uh, he looks the part. Um, I don't know a massive amount about his style of player or anything. I know he's he's fairly pragmatic, isn't he? And he's he's not necessarily going to play free flowing football. It's not going to be tippy tappy. You know, he's he's renowned for a a more counter attacking style of play. It's quite direct. Um, I know the possession for his sides, especially at Preston, was one of the lower um, in the, in the championship last year. So I can imagine he'll want to bring in more pace. Because if he wants to play on the counter-attack, our side sorely lacks pace at the moment. Mm. Um, other than other than Duncan Watmore, you really can't see where where, the, where there's much pace coming from. So I assume he'll, he'll want to address that pretty quickly. He'll want to bring in some some good wide players. Um, he's, to be honest, his, his style of football seem, doesn't seem too dissimilar to someone like Peter Reid, if I'm honest. He's, he seems to like to um, build up relationships between his, his full-backs and his wingers. And um, plays very much a four-four-two formation. Uh, you know, we just all got to get behind him. He seems he's making all the right noises, and let's hope you know we can get off to a good start. Derby at home. Um, so that's a pretty a pretty tough game to start with. You know, they're they're a pretty well-established Championship side. Um, Gary Rowett's had a little bit of time there to embed himself. So let's hope we can get off to a good start. Mm. What about you, Graham? What do you make of him? Yeah, I think um, when he first got linked, you know, and it was a few weeks beforehand, I think, when uh, we were after McInnes and it looked more like McInnes, I was a bit underwhelmed by him, I suppose, to be honest. And I think I felt the same way when it got pretty much confirmed he was going to be the manager because it happened that quick. I didn't have time to really 
change my opinion. But since he's been in this, like, I mean, at the, the match yesterday, and it's a preseason, everyone feels positive generally in preseason, but there was more of a, it wasn't doom and gloom like it has been recently, and it didn't feel like a chore. And he was he was always on the touchline, shouting, he never moved from the touchline. Um, I think he knows he's got a tough job on, but I think he arguably had a tougher job on at a club as big as us in Leeds. So he's not completely alien to it. And the things he's saying, like, I mean, just reiterating what Gavin and Jim have said there, effectively, he's he's saying everything right. And I think all any of us want is someone who wants to succeed and understands how big the club is. And, and hopefully he takes it on and, and does a job and at least steadies us. And, you know, I think when you look on paper, the players he's looking at and the team we've got, with a bit of positivity injected into us, there's no reason why we can't go on to have a decent season. And for me to be saying that only two weeks ago when I was kind of a bit more worried about dropping down the league again obviously shows how much he has impressed me. And I don't think I'm the only one. I think um, the players he's been linked to are sensible. McGeady, sensible. I think Gradle, sensible. The two lads he's brought in from Everton, I think they will end up being sensible buys as well. And you know, you look at the team and I think I think he knows what he needs to bring in. I think he, he's identified the right players if rumours are to believe to be true. Um, he spoke about it in the right way, but he seems realistic at the same time. And some of the stuff he's been coming out with about like signing players and, and being honest. And when he said, he said something along the lines of players have been here for the, the pay packet, not for the club. And he's definitely not going to be signing that. Um you can have sound bites, but I don't think you sometimes need to go that far. And, and he has done, and it's what the fans want to hear because we know for a fact it's true. And he was on about Kazri and, and Kone and, and oh no, Kazri and and, uh, and Lens. And he was saying, you know, as long as they're here, they'll, they'll play hard and they'll work for the shirt. And I think he's, he's actually been really refreshing. Yeah, he wasn't my choice, but I'm actually feeling much more positive. I, I think, yeah, I think good appointment. Well done. Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree. And I, I think the style of play thing is is, is a big point. Um, for too long now, Sunderland haven't played like Sunderland, I think it's fair to say. We've never, um, for a long time now, played with width. We've never played with pace out wide. Because um, that, that's what I always think about when I think of Sunderland teams. I think, you know, graft in the middle of the park, but then p- players out wide can create chances. And more importantly, can can add goals as well. And how long has it been now since we actually had wingers? How long has it been now since... We had centre midfield players who were capable of taking shots on and things like that. that. That's the sort of thing I think you'll add. Having looked at his Preston team, um, it was very much about having the big man up front. But you know his, his teams always have width, um, pace out wide, goals from midfield, which I think are the, the, the crucial elements that we've been lacking for a long time now. Um, I think Duncan Watmore thrive under a manager like Grayson. I just think he's, he's all work ethic. He's all energy, pace, and he has got goals in him. Yeah. And you just think a player like that could really kick on under a manager like Simon Grayson, who I think, you know, if he was going to sign a player to play up front or on the wing for Sunderland, he'd, he'd, he'd target a player like Duncan Watmore, wouldn't he? So when he's back uh, fully fit, it'll it'll be interesting to see just how well he does in the Championship because we'll see so many very average forwards score goals for fun in this league, and I don't think what more's average? I think he's just waiting to kick on with the right manager and in the right system, which I think Grayson um, will get from him. So I'm, I, that's probably that's one of the most exciting things I'm 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 looking at from uh, a fan's perspective is what what can he get from players like that who we've already got like Catamol as well, you know. Mm. Um, if he can stay fit, 
you'd imagine someone like that in a Grayson team would would thrive. And it's going to be interesting to see what kind of players he brings in because Browning and Galloway, I don't know a lot about them, but they come very highly rated, which which is the most important thing, I guess. Um, if they can add anything across the season, it's going to be it's going to be you know huge because they're coming from a club like Everton where famed for producing good young players so I'm, I'm i'm pretty optimistic about his way of approaching things i mean david moyes might have been slated for bringing players in from everton but um i think in these two it's it's a you know a good chance for sunderland to maybe take a step back and look at what got us into the premier league before and we've had to borrow from big clubs young players before johnny mm-hmm. evans was a huge acquisition under roy Keane. danny danny simpson was that season to be fair um, so, yeah, Grayson, Grayson's got, got a lot to do, but the early signs are promising, I think. Well, it's interesting, talking about, um, like, there there hasn't been really much dissent about Grayson from any of you guys, but there are some who've, who've said, like, who have questioned the appointment, saying, well, what what does he actually bring? Do you know what I mean? Sacked at Leeds, sacked at Huddersfield, not, not necessarily the most glorious of, of managerial careers so far, do you know what I mean? But... So it's it's more a case of like he could possibly be the the square to fit the the square hole. Do you know what I mean? The square peg to fit the square hole for us. Like it isn't so much that he would manage any team perfectly, but perhaps that he's he's a really good fit for exactly what we're looking for. Do you know what I mean? Not not too ambitious. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Not somebody who's going to come in and try and make rafts of changes to the club and demand that things be done their way. It seems like he's come in. He's put his arm around the players, which I think you mentioned earlier. But as as well for me, it's very important. For me, it's the most important uh, characteristic of a successful manager is man management. Do you know what I mean? Because you you can't get anything out of your players if you can't manage them on on a personal human level. It's so easy for Moyes to forget that. But also, we've got to remember that we're we're also we're using Moyes as like a as a barometer for for Grayson. Do you know what I mean? For what sort what can we expect from like we're saying he's making all the right noises. That, what kind they, of yardstick is that? Yeah, exactly. You know, is, is that yeah, exactly? Is that just the result, a side effect of David Moyes being here and just giving us the worst news from day one? It's like anyone who doesn't say that, anyone who doesn't sink that low, is going to be better than David Moyes. I don't know. I, I mean, mean, I was going to say just quickly on when people say criticise his time at say Leeds or Huddersfield. I mean, they've got to remember he got both of those sides promoted. Yeah. You know, he, he getting sacked at a club like Leeds with an owner who is completely batshit crazy. It's you know it, you know, so many managers get sacked by him. At Huddersfield he had nothing to work with as well. Mm. You know, he's he's got he's got promotions under his belt with Blackpool, Leeds, Huddersfield and and Preston. You know, I think yeah. you know, this is a massive step up for him. It really is. But you know, he seems hungry. He seems he seems down to earth. He seems to know what he wants from his players. You know, he's he's a well respected football league manager. Now, we can't really get above our station. You know, let's suppose we're we are a championship club now, and we what we've got what we've brought in is a is a very solid, stable championship manager. Mm-hmm. You know, and if he's got more to work with here than he ever did at any of those clubs, and he made himself a relative success at those clubs, so what's to say he's not going to kick on here? I mean, I'm certainly certainly quite positive. I thought what Gav said about Duncan Watmore is absolutely spot on. Mm-hmm. Um, that's probably what I'm looking forward to most about this season. I think that lad could be that if we can get him fit and get him firing and hopefully this injury hasn't taken away his pace you know he could be he could be the difference between a you know mid-table place and a playoff place or a playoff place and a, an automatic place you know it could be that important 
That's interesting. Yeah, I would probably agree with that. So, generally speaking, it's it's mainly about what he's achieved within within limited ability with limited ability at other clubs. Do you know what I mean? So, I think there's a lot of, as you say, a lot of people will look to it and say, "Oh well, what's he ever done?" But if you if you take a little bit of time to look at the situations he was in and how he dealt with it, sort of thing, then yeah, it's possible that he might be exactly what we're looking for. So, time will tell for that. Jury's still out on it. Obviously, we've still got a whole season to play first, but. Everyone's feeling pretty positive about it. But now moving on to something you guys mentioned earlier, Lens and Kazri is a couple of players we're going to talk about because of the way that obviously they featured in pre-season, uh, particularly with Lens. No one thought that that was going to happen. I mean, there isn't to say that we can put too much uh, to that. We can't say that it necessarily means all that much because at the end of the day, you still you st- and we've got a threadbare squad as it is. You still need bodies to do a pre-season, do you know what I mean? And if they've got nowhere to go or if they're working out deals or whatever, it might make sense even to them as a favour. They've got to keep their match fitness up, you know what I mean? It's it's very important, so it, it could just be a professional courtesy. But let's ride the theory that it isn't just a professional courtesy, that there's something going on there like Grayson was able to somehow have a little chat with them and say, look, this is where we stand now. I know you might not have wanted to play in the championship. Particularly, Kasri obviously said he didn't want to play in the championship. Do you know what I mean? Lenz hasn't exactly been um, the most pleasant of people when he's been speaking about Sunderland of, of late since he's been in Turkey. Uh, so what are we expecting? Gav, what, what do you think we can expect from that? Do you think it's reasonable to expect that there's a chance that Lenz and or Kasri will stay? I think that there's a slight chance we'll keep Kazri. Um although with him I think you could you could maybe see Kazri um taking part in the start of the season and obviously you've got to remember that the transfer window runs through the first month or so of the season, doesn't it? So, you know, if he impresses in that first month, shows he's fit, yeah. shows he's scoring goals, there's gonna be teams sniffing around him, I've got no doubt about that. Uh, um I think Lenz is probably going to be gone by the end of the window but it'll be a bit like last year where he left on a loan and I mean who's going to pay his wages and spend what we are probably asking for him at his age really a good player no doubt about it um, but he's for me just not got the right attitude I guess to play in the championship imagine if he could if, if he did though imagine if his attitude was right mm. he would storm that league because he's he is a good player he's a, he's a I would say a top well, I don't know, maybe eight downwards Premier League player. Um and and obviously at a championship level you don't have to be that great to a bit too impress, you know. So Lens for me, I think will be gone. But Kazri is, is a is a strange one. I think I think there's there's a lot there that would suggest that he's pretty happy, at least for for now, to be part of the squad. I saw the video when he was training with um with Josh Madger, they were playing some sort of shooting game, I don't know, in training, and Madger scored, and he, he runs over and does the, the old shine celebration, and uh, I thought, you know, it's he looks like he's enjoying the training, at least. Yeah. I mean, you can't take too much from it, but well, he suggests that he's he's come back uh, sharp and ready, and he's, you know, he looks a lot leaner than he did at points last year as well, which is encouraging, because there was, there was some criticism that he was carrying a bit of weight, but he looks pretty sharp. Mm. Looks pretty lean, so I, I'm hoping I'm hoping that he enjoys the first few weeks, I guess, under Grayson, and, and and ultimately decides that he you know he'd be best served staying here because he would be immediately the best player in that league for me. He, he's that good. Um, 
But but as I say, the worry in the back of my mind is that you know he starts the season well, and there's going to be teams like Watford and Palace and West Ham. You know, the usual suspect to sniff around clubs like us when we get relegated. Um, one of those clubs will come in for him, and he'll be gone, and you'll leave a massive hole because you'll have started the season well, became a vital part of the team, and then be gone. But you, you can't second guess too much. I, I think I think from reading what Simon Grayson said about Kazri, um, he seems certainly more towards uh, he has more feeling towards keeping Kazri than he does Lens. He said. Um, something along the lines on that he was a talented player, that's why he's at Sunderland. Um, time will tell if he stays, type of thing. Um, but while while he's here, he's part of the squad. He's got to take part in everything we do. I guess the same applies to Lens. Um, you know, regardless of what they feel their future is is going to be, they're still Sunderland players. The, we pay their wages. They've got to act as part of the squad. And I guess the same goes for Gillibodji and Coney as well, because. I don't really expect either of those players to still be here come the end of the window, but for now, they're pretty much the only two centre-halves we've got, bar John O'Shea, so, you know, they've got to play, and that's it. The Southern players, at the end of the day, you pay the wage to to do a job, and that's to play football for us. And it doesn't matter who you are, you you, you come into training every day and you work hard. Mm. And once your time's up, your time's up. But for now, uh, get on with it, I guess. Mm. I'd, I'd absolutely love the irony of Jeremy Lenz playing in the Championship. A man that said, I hope Sunderland get relegated so it's easier for me to move than can't get a move. <laughs> uh, but I think he'll be gone. I, I, to be honest, I'd I, I prefer him to be gone. I just I don't like his attitude. I, 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 as Gav said, he's a, he's a fantastic talent. He's obviously got a hell of a lot about him, but he's certainly not the kind of player you need in, um, in that league. Um, I mean, Again, as Gav said, with, with Kazri, I mean, he, he looks happier, he looks leaner, he looks fitter. Um, I mean, I've only seen the highlights from the, from the two friendlies, but, you know, there's moments of him breaking through the middle of the park with, with what looks like some real pace and purpose. Um, I mean, he'd, he'd tear that league a new one, you know, he'd be, an abs- he'd be integral to us if we could keep him. Um, I could see him moving to, yeah, to a, to a, to a Stoke or a West Brom or just a, a mid-table Premier League team. But I'd like to, I'd like to see us have a bit of ambition and maybe keep hold of him and say, look, you know, stay with us. If, if you can put an arm around him, he's well liked in the dressing room, you know, if you can keep him happy, he'd be, he'd be a hell of an asset. I think Kone, um, I'd, I'd probably get rid. Um, again, I'd, I'd, Purely down to his attitude, he's he's a he's a fantastic player. He's a hell of a talent. Uh, I think he'd be well suited to that league. But I just uh, you're going to struggle to create the the right kind of atmosphere when you've got a player who's wanted away for you know over a year now. Mm. Um, I mean, we're not going to get anywhere near the kind of money that we were going to get last year. I mean, he's been linked with Burnley now. Mm. So I mean, he was wanting away to go to Everton. You know, they've just spent about what seems like 600 million in the transfer market. And, you know, it could end up at Burnley, which is le- even less glamorous than Sunderland. So um, I'd like to see the back of him. I, d- I don't think Gillibodji will go anywhere, mainly because I don't think anyone will take him, uh, especially on the kind of wages he'll be on. Um, I can imagine him playing quite a big part this season. But for me, um, I'd I'd really put your arm around Wabi Kasri and try and keep him because I think, him in the championship would just be uh, he'd be absolutely superb because he'll have that extra time on the ball well I mean the trouble is though if you were in charge of the team we wouldn't have any players left man <laughs> so, <laughs> so this is the issue for me as well like this is the problem that I have with the whole like 
his bad attitude or of whoever it is, whether it's Lenz or Kone or anything like that. Like, I do agree, no one likes players with a bad attitude. And indeed, you can't utilise a, a player properly who has a bad attitude at the time. I'm just, I'm curious to see if it isn't a case of, I mean, understanding what we, and, and knowing what we know about the situation under Moyes. I mean, to be honest, we know precious little still about what the issue was between specifically Kazri and Moyes, for example, but presumably yeah. shared the same relationship with Lenz and, do you know what I mean? And it was all part of that, that same issue. Like, Yeah, but I, I would say that someone like Jeremiah Lenz has, has such delusions of grandeur. I just mm. can't imagine him playing in the championship. Maybe, maybe Kone at a push, but even then, Jeremiah Lenz won't be here. Like, Kone, he'll be back Kone's to look on his face constantly. Like, he's just, he just, He's not happy to be there, but he's just accepting that he's there. Do you know what I mean? Oh, he, I can't do like, out the, now. The, the, yeah, the way he, his, his eyelids are always like half closed. He, he, he looks stoned for a start. He always looks a bit stoned when he's on the pitch. But I don't know if it's that or what it is, but he's just fucking... He always looks like he's he's just okay with it. He's just a really relaxed, passive guy for such a giant of a defender. But um, yeah, as, as I'm saying, like, like what you said earlier about having an arm put around them, I think there's more to these stories do you know what I mean and the, there's more to the attitude of it like specifically with Lenz saying that I hope they get relegated so I can move that isn't I hope they get relegated because they're a bunch of arseholes do you know what I mean I hope they get relegated because I hate the club I hope they get relegated so I can bloody move because it, it sounds there like he's tied into a contract that no one's going to be able to come and save him from do you know what I mean like I need them to go down I need them to become desperate enough to sell me so for me that's like if you, even with those delusions of grandeur, I mean, surely you can convince these players if you, if you give them this idea, this concept that we're pushing for something, even if it's for a year. I mean, it's the same argument in a way that I had about keeping Pickford, but regardless of that, that's that's gone, boohoo. But on, on the same on the same level, like if you sell this idea of being stronger immediately, if, even if you don't really believe it as the manager, you know, even if you think. Even if the manager and Ellis Shaw and Martin Bain have all sat down, as they undoubtedly have, and said, look, realistically, I need two, three years to do a job here. If I hadn't done that, I'd be pissed off. So, I'm, I'm, And I'm sure I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and decide that they have done that. Even if that is what you really know, I think you should still go out to your squad be like, look, we've got to try this on the first go. So I want the best from everyone. Uh, like immediately and then you would I would personally go into that dressing room and I would put my arm around every single player that had been an arsehole even if they'd been an arsehole for two years I would put my arm around them and I would give them whatever they want do you know what I mean because on the one hand you, you can't cow to players well to player power necessarily you know what I mean you can't allow this this like um what's the word I'm looking for, this, well, poor dynamic to exist within the dressing room where the players dictate what's happening or, you know, or you're treading on eggshells around them or you're, you're constantly going out of your way to deal with a diva. But certainly with the opportunity that he's been given that every new manager gets, similar to how the youth team get the opportunities, once you get a clean slate to begin with, I think that's, that's very important. And yeah. The idea of what, as we've said, Lenz is a brilliant player. Well, say brilliant, is a very good player. He's an obvious talent. I think it's it, it's a personal thing, isn't it? Couple that with the idea that it seems like he's stuck in this contract. He doesn't feel confident that he can leave immediately, or it doesn't seem to be that way. He seems like he wants someone to save him that isn't going to. So it seems entirely in our court. And I think we'd be foolish to not make every effort to, you know what I mean, put that arm around his shoulder. 
But Graham, what do you make about it? Uh, I think it's very much two different personalities out of three, if you're including Coney in this as well. And I think um, you can never know what's going on in somebody's head. But you mentioned about German Lenz yesterday. And uh, when he was warming up, you could, he warmed up in front of the away fans and you could just see he just couldn't be arsed. But then he comes on and scores a goal like he did. And you can see he's got obvious talent, I suppose. But it just, I'd, if I'm honest, I don't want people like Coney and Lenz at the club, like, I just don't, I, I don't want to give them another chance because I, I just don't see any end game to that. I'd rather have someone who wants to be here. And I know that maybe you might lack a bit of quality with that. But then on the flip side of Kasri, for me, he was head and shoulders above everyone yesterday. Uh, he, was, he was class and I think he's a good player. And I think the thing I like about Kasri is he's probably been treat worse then Kone, well, Kone hasn't been trapped bad at all, but he's been trapped worse than, than German Lenz. And, and Lenz has came out and said things that, well, you know what he, we know what he said, we know what his attitude has been like. But Kasri's never really whinged, really. And he wasn't trapped that well. He was, he was signed in January for 9 million, had a good season, came back, was effectively told, oh, I think he's a bit lazy. He, he doesn't do enough in the five minutes he's on the pitch. And yet he's, he's never really came out and complained. And he seems to have, a smile on his face. He, he seems to put the effort in yesterday. He was still tracking back yesterday in a, in a testimonial game, effectively. I think Kazri is someone you could put an arm around and say, look, you could be our star player. I know it's not the division you want to be in, but the, the fans take you, the, the club like you, we'd like you to stay. I reckon it's feasible you could keep Kazri and I'd be comfortable with that. But people like Coney, who pissed and moaned for a season about going to bloody Everton, you're not good enough to go to Everton. Um, never was and people like Lenz nah not for me I'd, I'd rather I think if we get McGeady in someone like Gradle and Watmore comes back to fitness I don't think we necessarily need Lenz um, I think obviously we need some centre-offs at the moment Coney has almost been forced into playing but nah if you don't if you don't want to play for Sunderland even a little bit which they evidently don't I don't think I, I, I don't want them at the club and it's simple as that I've, I've had enough of watching people like that like and I don't want it anymore. So, yeah. nah, not for me. But I think I think Kazri. I think I would I would actually work really hard on keeping him because he could be the difference between us possibly pushing for like a playoff place or just being mid table because he's he's obviously way too good for the championship. And mm-hmm. I think his attitude's relatively decent. I, I don't think he, he's complained too much. So I think you could put an arm around him and tell him how good he is and. See if you can push us on to promotion. Why not? Save a bit of money in the transfer market by keeping Kazri, playing him a number 10, something like that. A, a Kazri, yeah, but the other two, no. Fair enough. Well, everyone's entitled to their opinion. And it seems in general that we won't be taking Lens or anything like that. We won't be keeping him if we can avoid it. Well, talking about transfers, though, there are obviously other transfers to expect, hopefully. Um, the main one, I suppose, that everyone's been focused on, aware of, is the ongoing Magidi transfer um, obviously Evertonian well not Evertonian but Evan Winger and it all seemed done and dusted for a while just like so many deals with Sunderland do and then it seemed to have hit some kind of hurdle uh, Grayson had to say about it that it was um, it was some discussion that was going on between McKees and uh, McGiddy and Everton still so clearly on our side everything's sorted out we, we've told him we want him we've offered him money so I don't know what the issue is there but Regardless, what do we make of McGeady? I mean, we've been linked with him 
as far as I as far back as I can remember, almost in the Premier League, we've he's been there almost every transfer window. Certainly for the last three four years, I've heard his name mentioned when it comes to Sunderland. Even transfer. longer, yeah, longer than that. It's a bit like a bit like Darren Gibson. You always knew he'd end up at Sunderland sometime <laughs> in his career. You always knew he'd end up here. Poor bugger, just sitting there like you were. All, it was always going to end like this. <laughs> Poor Aiden. But yeah, what do we make from them? What about you, James? What do you what do you think about Aiden McGee? Do you think he'd be a, a good fit for Sunderland? Well, I mean, is it mooted that it's only a couple of million? I think, I think you snap him up at that. I mean, he's 30, is he 30, 31? So he's not, he's not the youngest. He's never been the quickest in fairness. Um, but, you know, he proved last year that, you know, he has the quality to create chances and score goals in that league. So what you're essentially doing is you're paying two million for a, a proven championship player. And when you see the likes of like Ross McCormack going for 12 million and, you know, some of these other championship strikers. I mean, Jordan Rhodes seems to have, I bet he's racked up transfer fees of close to 50, 60 million quid. And, mm. you know, if we could get him for a couple of million, I think that'd be a cracking piece of business. Um, obviously he's worked with, with the manager before. Um, he trusts him. Um, so I, I, of what I've seen of him was, was purely in, in the Premier League. Um, and he never looked quite, quite up to it in the Premier League, but, you know what? For a, for a couple of years, a couple of million quid, I, th- I think he's well. He's a he's a he's well worth sure, going after. Yeah, yeah I'd say so. Yeah, I mean, I would personally for, for what yeah for what my opinion's worth, I would certainly take him. And I wanted him for those last four or five years that we've been linked with him as well. Do you know what I mean? And obviously he's a bit older now, but from all accounts, he's still got the same well, not the same pace, but he's he's not aging rapidly. You know, he, he still has many of the same attributes that attracted him to Everton in the first place. So I think a player like that is the sort of, for me, it's the sort of calibre we should be going for. I don't think we should be going for any less than than his standard. Do you know what I mean? I think I think that's a fair um, player for us. I, I, I don't think that he's beneath us, and I don't think that he's too good for us. Do you know, similar, I don't think we're beneath him. I think it's a, yeah, I would, as I say, it's a fair sort of player and what I would expect and what I was hoping for for the championship to be honest I wasn't really hoping that we could bring in loads of randoms loads of unknowns or just rely entirely on the youth system although I am very much looking forward to some of our youth products getting more of a chance I mean there are other players sorry Karen go yeah sorry but just look at some of the goals that he scored last Mm. season like I was saying earlier on in the show it's how long has it been since Sutton had midfield players or attacking players who even took shots on from distance, you know, and yeah. pretty much all of McGeady's goals for Preston last year were from range, which I'm not saying that it's essential to a, a winning team or whatever, but having midfielders that take shots on from range is pretty important to your forward. And he's already familiar with the manager Might as well, because, day, isn't you know, Preston. and that, yeah, yeah, and that, but I mean, say, say, I don't know, a player takes on a shot from range and it rebounds out, there could be someone waiting to tap it in. It's not always about hitting the target every time mm. um, might get your goal in as well yeah that's what I mean so our, our midfielders just didn't do that last season didn't do it the season before um, and in fairness as well the managers we've had in recent years have all played strikers on the wings which kind of re- restricts how much width they've got and how much space you can create for midfielders to come in and take shots on so Grayson is the only manager really for a long time to get a tune out of Aidan McGee. He, he struggled towards the tail end of his time in in 
Russia came over to play for Everton, didn't impress at all. Uh, I think he had a loan at Chef Wed, which didn't last very long, and they weren't particularly impressed with him. So there is that risk as well. He's, he's been at a lot of clubs recent, recently and, and not done very well. But the familiarity with the manager is the big thing for me, I think. I think the fact that Grayson was able to get McGeady performing at this level is, is mm. vital, really. And it's probably a good indicator of what he could get from other players that were very average for us last season. You know, um, talented ones as well, play, players with a bit of skill like Kazri. How much could he get from a player like that? Mm. Um, I'm not saying that this guy's a magician by any means, but I do think that I do think that it's important that Sunderland have players like that. We can't just be all about working hard as much as we'd like a team who, who grafts and... Uh, you know, works works their bones. Works their bones. It's the thing is with Sunderland as well. Is we've got to have a bit of guile about us. We haven't had that for a long time. Players like McGeady probably don't do a lot the majority of the time. But when they do pop up with a with an assist or a goal, they, they prove their worth. And it's been a long time since Sunderland had a player like that. I'd probably say Sessegnon was maybe the last player we had who who was capable of creating things out of nothing and maybe frustrated the majority of fans because he wasn't always in games, but when he was in games, he was a he was a genuine match winner, mm. which we have not had for a long time. Jermaine Defoe side, you know, we used to have at least three or four on our team, players capable of of winning games, and that that's the most vital thing when it comes to recruitment, not just with McGeady. I think that another two or three players like him who can get your goals out of nothing or create chances out of nothing are going to be the difference between just staying afloat in the championship and then maybe kicking on for promotion um, and I, I also to, to take the topic on a complete tangent but Darren Gibson for instance I think mm. is a player who um, rightly got a lot of criticism last year came in didn't hadn't been playing a lot for Everton um, famously unfit so he comes here he plays every week and doesn't stand out in a bad team Um I've, I wrote something on the site this week actually about just mentioning something I think is fairly important. Um, I think his role when we, when we drop a league is going to change massively really because the majority of teams who play Sunderland are going to be on the front foot um, in the early stages but later in the game when, when you need to tire them out and you need to keep the ball, players like Gibson will come in handy. You know, he's, he's not not a pressing midfielder. He's not, he's not going to chase around and win the ball back for you but what he will do is get it in a nice attacking positions for your wide players and he'll play, he always plays forward. That's what I like about Gibson. You know, he, he does have many shortcomings, but he does like to play a forward pass, which is a rarity these days. Mm. Seemingly, you know, having watched players like Callback and God knows who else, sideways, backwards passes. It's nice to see a midfielder put his foot on the ball and try and create things. So mm. I think when, when Sunderland have got to play a little bit more expansive in the championship, um, with players like McGeady and Gibson, you can you can really carve teams open. And would nothing you start with, the, uh, with Gibson, I, yeah. I would. I would if the team around him was the right to suit his style. You know, I think players like I don't. I don't think we're going to see much of Catamore as nice as it would be. I don't think he's got forty six games in him. Um, Rodwell, I think, is going to have a part to play, whether we like it or not, because huh. who's going to take a sixty grand? You know. Of his wages off us, really. That's the first thing. He's, he's, he's the only player who didn't get a wage for something year, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> well, we stuck with Rodwell for another another season because no one's going to take him. It's like this is going to go on forever <laughs> until he dies. How long's he got left? Can't be that long. He must uh, have just a permanent contract. Yeah, I think he signed a four year deal in 2014, so he might only have a year left. Yeah. Oh, but I mean, you know, 
<laughs> Gibson, though, I think I think I would start him provided the players around him suit him. I'm not saying we have to build a team around Darren Gibson, but if you have players like McGeady and Watmore, and then maybe an Ndong next to him with the energy who can do all the picking up the pieces and and the, the wrapping around right. winning the ball back, yeah, I think a player you can afford a player like Gibson who gets his foot on the ball and does does the nice stuff. I like him to John Joe Shelby, and I know that might turn a lot of people off, but you look at how bad Shelby was for Newcastle in the Premier League, drops a level, they start holding on the ball more than they did in the Premier League, and suddenly a player like Shelby stands out a mile because mm-hmm. that's what he's about, getting his foot on the ball and playing 30, 40 yard passes to feet. Um, in the Premier League, teams like Sun and Newcastle can't do that because we're not good enough. Mm. But in the championship, when, when we're a step ahead of our station, I guess, maybe against the majority of teams, anyways, Darren Gibson's going to have a lot of time on the ball. It's a bit like um, what I said earlier with Kazri in the Championship. He'll stand out more because he'll have more of the ball. I think that's the same with, with Gibson. I think he's going he's gonna to be a big player for us. And I, and I, I know but a lot of people will disagree with that. But I just I just think you've got to give the guy time. He didn't he didn't get off onto the best footing with Sunderland and came here. I don't think he was fit. Um, playing in a failing team for a bad manager who played a system that didn't suit him. I think you're going to see a different side of him in the championship, and I hope that he he proves a lot of people wrong because and, and proves me wrong really because I slated him a lot of the time last season. But I do think in the championship, Darren Gibson's got a lot more to offer us. I mean, I, 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 my only concern would be I. I I reckon he could only play in a three-man midfield. I think purely because it's such a like a hustle and bustle league. My concern would be if you're playing a two-man midfield, which Simon Grayson often does. Is he going to be mobile enough for that? Is it, are we going to get a bit overrun? Are you going to have to maybe get some wide players to tuck in, you know, to cover for it? Um, That's probably which, something that you deal with on the day, isn't it? That's probably something that you'll deal with in a minute mm. tactic change or something like that. I mean. I can I can see Gav's point in that certainly on paper if every if the players we have in midfield all do their, their if they all excel if they all achieve to the point that we know that they're capable of achieving then it's a blinding midfield really like that that midfield described like assuming McGeady comes in having that sort of setup McGeady what more and Gibson who's actually on a good day do you know what I mean and Dong in, in general who's a, a quality player as we know and I, th- I think that's pretty solid that's better than I would have expected when we got relegated do you know what I mean but that's obviously that's a lot of ifs that's assuming everything comes together and everyone can play well but talking about transfers again I mean some of the other players we've been linked with uh, Max Gridell, um Snodgrass from West Ham I said but Snodgrass I mean like I've been the first one to call him an absolute weasel because, you know, he's that kind of player that, you know, everyone else hates Lee Catmore, but we love him. Mm. Like, I reckon Snodgrass is like that. Everyone hates him because, like, obviously he's a bit wily. He wins cheap free kicks. He gets scrappy goals. Yeah. But I'd absolutely love him here. Well, I, I think mean, he, I mean, his, his season I'm, so far at West Ham, do you know what I mean? That was a massive, massive flop. I think we yeah. can certainly all agree with that. It's it's terrible in a way, really. The, I mean, what, 15 appearances for West Ham since he signed? No goals. I'm not sure if he's got any assists. I think he might have had an assist or two. Do you know what I mean? But for the money that they bought him for, wasn't it like 10 million something? something yeah, like that? that was that was a strange signing. He was a you very know, strange was, signing, wasn't it? Wasn't, wasn't he Payet's replacement? How would you replace oh, Payet with Robert <laughs> Snodgrass? Snodgrass is a good player. Yeah. Don't go wrong. But you do, you're on about replacing like a probably a world-class playmaker mm. with Robert Snodgrass. He's, it, it, was, it was always set up to fail that. 
Um, but I, I'm, I mean, I don't know if there's much in in the link. I, I, there certainly hasn't been a great deal about it, other than a few, you know, paper talk and stuff. But he's he's worked with with Grayson before, um, proven at this level, scores goals. He was very good for Hull, even in the Premier League. Um, you know, I'm I'm fairly happy with the players we're being linked with. You, you've right. got to, you know, you've got to look at the the selection that we've, we've of players we are being linked with. Regardless, you know, if we sign Gradle or Snodgrass, those are the type of players that we do need to sign. Yeah. Yeah. Not but, quite Premier League quality, but a bit like I go back to Newcastle. Probably the second time I mentioned them, but signing even uh, the guy from Bournemouth, Matt Ritchie. Yeah. You know, it, that's the kind of player he is, isn't he? Really, it's exactly Snodgrass, right. You know? That player that can't quite make it at Premier yeah, League level, yeah. but absolutely excels. Um, I think like both of those signings. If you, I can imagine something, someone like Snodgrass wouldn't come off unless we sold Kasri. I don't think we probably would have the budget to have because he would probably come in as our top earner, um, other than Rodwell. But um, I can imagine he'd probably come in as our top earner. He'd be, he'd certainly be the the star name uh, in a, in our starting eleven. Um, I've not seen too much of someone like Max Gradle. I mean, we've heard great things. Did he pick up a nasty injury? Yeah, he, um, he, he yeah. was there for a season, then got, uh, got yeah, as you say, got injured. Quite his knee yeah, done his knee. Yeah, done his knee. But I mean, it's two goals in 25 appearances for Cradell for Bournemouth. I mean, he's not necessarily played as an out-and-out striker. Do you know what I mean? He's played as uh, in the midfield occasionally, and I'm not entirely sure what his strengths are. Not to mention he's kitting on a bit. For me, not the sort of player we should necessarily be going for. Do you know what I mean? But uh, can beggars be choosers? I mean, talking about that actually, we we asked some questions from some of our audience. So um, and we got some. We're going to ask. We're going to answer some now. I haven't done it in ages. But we've got some good questions. Sometimes we get some terrible questions, and I just can't be bothered to answer them. But these are some good questions. So on this subject. Uh, we've got one from Zach McCaskill. Is our budget a lot bigger than we first thought? Players like Kone, Kazray and Lenz not being pushed out and getting linked with Snodgrass and the like, for example. Well, since we're speaking about it, we've already, we've already covered Kone, Kazray and Lenz and the idea that, to be honest, it, the, the reality of us keeping Lenz is probably not as green as it, as we first may, may, like, may think it is. So I don't think we have a large budget. I think, like was covered earlier by Gav and then by James about how much we actually need these players or rather as, as Gav said they have to play for us they have to show up so I, I think until we can officially say well they're absolutely not ours or they are absolutely staying which obviously won't be for some time now until the transfer window closes I wouldn't look into that as a having a large budget at all I still think we're, we've got very little money to play with and in fact none of it seems very playful at all it seems like a what's, very desperate situation what's been mooted is about 15 million or something has been mooted around is it 15 originally it was supposed to be 15 from a kid I mean it's it? finger in the air and it's finger yeah. it's, no one really knows but I, I wouldn't be too surprised if he had in and around that figure to spend which I mean obviously is a, a fraction of the likes of you know Saint Rafa spent up the road or um, Steve Bruce seems to be spending at Villa I mean I know Steve Bruce who who was their manager last year is it Roberto Di Matteo he spent about 70 million there and they didn't go up so it's not necessarily just because it's not a big budget doesn't necessarily mean you can't find value I don't think yeah. um, it just as Grayson says he just it's about attracting that the right type of player um, who's hungry uh, and wants to play for us what about you Graham I've got a question for you from Eddie Gray 
What's the feeling amongst the lads compared to summer 2006 or 2004? How do you feel, Graham, compared to then? Uh, a lot more positive before Grayson came in, as I was kind of attesting to before. Um, I think when we uh, 2004 was a 19-point season, wasn't it? And then 2006, obviously, the 15-point season. Uh, yeah, things were at a pretty low ebb then, weren't they? I think, yeah, I think it's actually more positive, um, if I'm honest with you, because I think when we went down in 2006, we had a bunch of players that were barely good enough for the championship. The likes of like Tommy Miller and John Stead, and the careers went on to, to prove that. So, um, and then when we went down with 19 points, we lost the likes of you know like key players really, like Phillips McCann, Sorensen, who despite a bad season had gone. So. I think one season we we gotten getting rid of like all big names, people who had a, a big affinity with the club, and then in the fifteen point season, it seemed like managers were turning us down right, left, and centre. And as much as Quinny tried to give that sort of impetus of, of positivity, which he, we all know he can do, it was like Allardyce, O'Neill, even David Bloody O'Leary was turning us down at that point. Yeah. So I think we felt pretty pretty negative. I think with this one, despite the barrage of crap that we've had to deal with I think I think the minute David Moyes walked out that door a lot of people almost breathed a sigh of relief and thought well it might not be as bad as it could have been because Moyes isn't here and I think Grayson coming in and speaking the way that he spoke and kind of I think people are rolling their sleeves up and saying you know like fuck it let's get on with it Uh, why not um, yeah, I, I feel it's a lot positive, a lot more positive. It's it's hard to judge on a preseason friendly against Hibs, but the fan base at the match yesterday seemed. I mean, maybe it was the Buckfast. I don't know. It certainly was with me. Um, but there was a lot of positivity, like a- around people, and, and people seemed quite intrigued to watch the young lads. And I think the only thing that was disappointing was just we haven't got that many people in the door to watch it. There was only really Galloway, but yeah, I think it's I think it's actually a lot more positive, and I, I certainly didn't expect that two or three weeks ago before Grayson came in, but I think it's got a lot to do with Moisey walking out the door. That that literally takes a weight off everyone's shoulders because he's like a... Well, we I, we all know what Moise was like. He was like a disease, wasn't he? He was horrible. Um, and Grayson coming in, being as positive as he has, is, hasn't fully turned everything around. We're still in the championship. We still haven't got money. We're still in the shit. But I, I think people could potentially look at this season as being a positive one yeah most definitely I think it's a, a lot more positive I, I mean I, I, I wouldn't compare it to the positivity of 2006 purely because isn't that when Roy Keane came in um, I think, I think if like, you look before he came in though it was oh, yeah, you're, yeah you're probably uh, right there but I mean I don't think anything's gonna it'd be very very hard pressed to get to the same level of positivity and euphoria that it got to when, when Keane came in I mean just his, his transfer deadline day alone made just like, was it 10 signings or something ridiculous? Six. On six, six. six signings in the space of about 15 minutes. He was absolutely unbelievable. <laughs> um, and I remember Derby away just being like one of the best games I've ever seen with that last minute winner or equaliser, I've forgotten which. Um, and it that that's the kind of feeling I'd love to get back because that's the last time I felt like a real, a massive connection. Maybe actually the early days under um, Martin O'Neill we started to get that back a little bit, but we've not really had that since um, since Keno. So the championship's all about um, momentum, isn't it? If he can start well, if he can get a couple of good results. I mean, that first game, Friday night, under the lights against Derby, I'd said it before, it's absolutely massive. Um, 
because if you, if you can get a good result there, it just gives us such a great platform to go on and and have a good start. What about you guys? Just um, <laughs> just just looking at the the transfers were made in the summer two thousand and four. It's funny that the the guy should bring that up. Um, can you believe we actually got promoted? <laughs> <For example. laughs> um, Stephen Elliott on a free, good player, but a free transfer. Um, Scored a Carl Robinson. Effect. Yeah, he, he was massive that season. Carl Robinson from Portsmouth on a free. Um, Dean Whitehead from Oxford on a free. Liam Lawrence from Mansfield on a free. Stephen Caldwell from Newcastle on a free. Mark Lynch from Manchester United on a free. Neil Collins from Dumbarton. That was our summer business. <laughs> and then we followed that up with Danny Collins from Chester for 30k or something like that. Just Yeah, we, well. um, we got Simon Johnson in on loan for a couple of months from Leeds. Darren Carter in on loan from Birmingham for a couple of months. He was all right. Um, some cult players there, though, weren't they? <laughs> Hi. Uh, Michael, Michael Bridges. Michael Bridges came from Bolton on loan. Um, then we had in October, Danny Collins signed from Chester. November, Andy Welsh signed from Stockport. And then we eventually signed Bridges on a free transfer after a loan. And then Brian Dean in January. So it's actually remarkable we were promoted that season when you look at the the spend I mean just totaling up what I've got in front of us you're on about less than 200,000 really. never say Sunderland's not glamorous Fine no <laughs> but then you look you look at the career some of those players had like Elliot Whitehead in particular I think he's been promoted out of that league three or four times now mm. uh, Liam Lawrence um, Danny Collins played for a few Premier League teams you know he found a lot of he found a lot of joy from Loggins that year maybe that's something to look to actually you know we might not have a lot to spend this year, but if we look down the leagues and you look at some of the teams, we've got those players from Mansfield and Oxford and Chester. There is talent down the leagues. It's just about finding the right players, isn't it? And um, Sunderland this season have obviously got a lot more to spend than Mick McCarthy did that year. But I think I think and I can remember back in that summer um, after suffering the playoff defeat against Palace. Right. I think we were all a bit yeah we were all a bit downbeat. I don't think anybody expected to get promoted that year. Was that Jeff Whitley's little dink down the middle? Uh, yes. was, I, still haven't watched, I still haven't watched that back. I think it's on YouTube. I still haven't watched it back. Right? <laughs> Look I, away every time. <laughs> uh-huh. it was, I was there that night. I mean, so was after I. The, well, after the first, I'm sure in the first leg we, we were ahead, weren't we? We did all right. Yeah. And then we came back to the stadium of light and just totally bollocked it up. Like, um, so, but Sunderland have done it twice, haven't they? The two times that we've lost in... In playoffs, well, certainly in recent times, uh, we've, we've rebounded the year after. I guess it's a lot to say about the character of the club and the players that we've had. You look at, like I say, Whitehead, Lawrence, Caldwell, Robinson, Elliot, not big flash names, but they gave their all for Sunderland. Whitehead and, was a canny player. Like, I always thought Whitehead was all right. I mean, he got a lot of stick, actually. Wasn't he? He was linked with some pretty decent sides, actually. At one point. I, he frustrated me a lot of the time because I thought he was a bit of a crab. Like, but he he did give his all. <laughs> and he scored a mint goal against Man City. I remember. Yeah, um, had a massive but, chin though. Well, we could, <laughs> we could talk, I'll have to stop you. Would you, <laughs> we, we could say, would you take Would you take someone like Daryl Murphy back? Yes, as a as a squad player because I'm sure yeah. you could get him. Like, if he hadn't I, been I, to Newcastle, I, maybe. I feel bad saying it, but He's I, got I, I smell take him. Doesn't wash out. Mosk of Newcastle. Right, but moving on anyways, we could talk about the old days. So yeah, in answer to your question, no, we're not feeling quite as optimistic, but we certainly remember the optimism. Um, we've got another question. I'll fill this one to you, Gav. This is from Only One Keynote. 
why are two of the biggest culprits in the demise of our club still here? Hopefully, O'Shame and Clattermole won't have their own way under Simon Grayson. Now, only one Kino, you zero points for your awful punnery. But <laughs> aside from that, we will answer your question. Gav, what do you make of it? Why are O'Shea and Catamol still here? I think he said Clattermol there as well. <laughs> um, they're still here because they're good players who have professional attitudes, I suppose, on the training pitch. I, I know there's a lot of people who don't have time for the pair of them um, allude that they are part of the problem, this rotten core, but uh, we all know the rotten core thing's a load of bollocks, really, isn't it? It's just something, it's a way of placing blame on what's gone wrong at, at Sunderland over recent years. Um, I don't believe that Catamol knows she had bad bad characters to have around, or so many managers wouldn't have had them as their captains, wouldn't have had them as their leaders in the dressing room. Um, when you look at the squad that Simon Grayson currently has, and you look at the amount of youth players he's had to use in the first two friendlies, it makes total sense to hang on to players like that because their leadership and their experience and just having them around the club is going to be vital if we're going to get out of this league. We need players who know the club, especially when you're bringing in players from leagues further further down the league, Scotland or even League One or Two, because that's what I'm expecting we're going to be doing. If you're bringing in players like that from smaller clubs, you need to have people like that around who can just show what it's about to be a Sunderland player. Lee Catamole, um, he might not always be fit and he has let us down at times in the early days when he was getting sent off and stuff but there's a reason that so many managers have fallen back on these players to be the, the captains, the leaders and alright we've had some bad times in recent years and you, 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 you could attribute that the leaders on the pitch haven't done their jobs but um, I think I think Lee Catamull is just a very good footballer when he's fit and you'd be stupid to sell him I mean, what kind of fee would he command? Five million, maybe? maybe. Is it worth selling a player like that for five million pounds? I, I mean, no. And John O'Shea on a one-year deal um, seems pretty risk-free to me because he's. I know. I know. Uh, Jimmy Lawson, who's normally on the show, he he he's totally against the notion of giving uh, O'Shea a new contract. But at the end of the day, the guy the guy's been there and done it so many times, um, and for me. When when every time we sign defenders and we sign new new defenders, he always seems to find his way back into the team. He he, he never really lets us down. All right, he's slow. We do sit a lot deeper with him in the side, um, but I don't know. I don't think he's going to play a lot anyways. I think he maybe just been signed to be around the place, bit of experience, bit of leadership, calm head when things are under pressure, um, and he'd probably be moved into a coaching role. I would have thought because he's been here for long enough yeah. and. He's a very intelligent person. I think that's maybe the, the point of all of this. He's been given a one-year contract and might retire next year to keep him within the club, having worked with the younger players. Yeah. So that's why they're still here, because there's a there's a, there's, there's a longer-term plan in place here, and it's not maybe about getting out of the league this year, but in a couple of years, and you need you need people who know Sunderland around. Otherwise, you know, it's never going to be easy. Like we, we saw, we're talking about 2004 with all these players brought in. The year after when we were promoted, we looked lost because there was no character there, bar, bar McCartney and, and Arca, who were young players themselves. Um, we, we struggled to because we didn't have people who who we could call upon in, in times of hardship. I suppose that's why they're here. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I've I've personally written um, several scathing comments about John O'Shea in recent months. Um, I'm, I'm certainly in agreement with Lawson about 
uh, not having John O'Shea certainly not so much not having him but not relying on him do you know what I mean and perhaps not giving him this this leadership status that he's obviously he's obtained somehow now I won't go as I said I've written about it and it's, it's all very much conspiracy theory it's all speculation do you know what I mean it is a coincidence an interesting coincidence that for a certain amount of time there's been this horrible culture supposedly at the core of Sunderland and in the dressing room and it is convenient in a way that these two players have been there throughout but I think you, you can read too much into, into things like that and I, like Gav says I agree in the sense that it's it's worth keeping them for what they are I mean it's not without any grand designs to change the club completely it, you would be stupid to get rid of two players like that who were willing to stay with you in the championship and both on their good day are very capable players do you know what I mean both of those players when they have a good game are more than capable of playing in the championship and excelling in fact even John O'Shea is and I, I can't stand him as a player do you know what I mean so yeah, for me, I completely agree with what Gav said. I think it would be stupid, particularly with Catamol, we would be absolutely stupid not to take him in the championship. In a way, I've been dying to see Catamol in the championship for a long time. Do you know what I mean? It's, he's always struck me as a as a championship player. I've never I've never really deemed him as a as a quality. Well, I suppose that's my own fault because of what I assume you should get out of players in the Premier League. I, I suppose I have unrealistic expectations of any player that's playing in the Premier League as I do the team which is why I was disappointed when we got relegated slightly surprised like what's happening <laughs> but we're mint we're in the Premier League so that was quite a surprise to me but yeah I, I completely agree with that well so moving on we don't have much time left now um, just a little bit of time to talk about what we can expect really in the upcoming weeks towards the end of the transfer window so Graham I'll ask you uh, just a couple of minutes what are, you, what are you expecting from the opening of the season? Do you think we've got a lot to look forward to? Uh, it's hard to call, isn't it? I think um, it's such unknown territory because it's been so long since we've been in the Championship. I think we all think we know what is to be expected, but you just don't because anyone can be anyone in that league, really. But I think I think you'll make the right signings. I don't know whether they'll be breathtaking. Um, I think we'll pretty much know that, actually. I think a lot of it depends on if he keeps hold of players like Kasri and how well players like Rodwell adapt and Gibson adapt to that league. Um, but I certainly don't look through our team and see that would be lower than mid-table. I would hope we can push for the playoffs. That's my thought process. Um, I think looking at our squad, there's a couple of teams maybe better than us. I think maybe Villa will kick on a bit more this year and teams like that and obviously you've got the Chef Weds and, and, and Derby are always sniffing about Leeds will be sniffing about you've got Borough there as well but I, I would honestly without putting my depressive hat on think we could push for the playoffs I think a good couple of signings players like McGeady uh, Gridell I think people like that players that are probably not quite good enough for the Premiership but such as the gulf between the divisions a little bit too good for the Championship <laughs> yeah I, I think we could have a positive season but I think a lot of it depends on those first five games which are pretty tough but I, I don't fear anyone in this division not at all so I think we could go on and have quite a positive quite a positive season I think it just it's all about mindset isn't it in that league and mm. it's all about who we bring in over the next few weeks but I'm confident that Grayson will bring the right people in Fair enough James what about you? Um, I, I think as I said before it all it all comes to how, how it starts against Derby Um I'm I'm pretty confident, you know, that that if they can make a, if he can make a couple of good signings um and try and bed in a couple more of these youngsters, we can make a really good go of it. Um I'm certainly behind the manager hundred percent. Um and, you know, 
they can create if we can create some sort of you know siege mentality as it were um you know i th- i think i think we could we could certainly make a push for push for promotion this year there's no there's no reason why we can't you know Sunderland's a massive club especially in the championship um i i think most teams will be will be looking at us and thinking well that you know they they should be in and around the the playoffs at least so um let's be positive um i th- i think we can um, certainly make go of it what about you gav yeah, pretty much what the lads have said already. I think I think it's important that we get recruitment right and we have the players in place before the season starts because we have such a tough start. Um, them first five games are just brutal. So having having our team ready maybe a few weeks beforehand would be ideal, but we know that's not going to be the case because we just have such a high turnover of players to get through and um, and obviously the budget's tight and you, you can't just go out and spend money on this, that and the other. You've got to be clever. You've got to wait maybe till the end of the window when the best deals arise. Um, and it's, it's maybe important that we set our bar low initially. I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect too much of Sunderland or Grace and all the players straight away because um, you could end up very disappointed. You've just got to be realistic and, and look at the damage that's been done to Sunderland over recent years and be thankful that We've finally got a manager now who who seems to be happy to be here, but he also needs to be given time to get things right. He's not going to be able to sort something out in one transfer window. Um, and yeah, just just set your expectations low. I guess is my message to anyone listening to this because we need to, we need to be aware all of the time. I guess that this is a big job he's got on his hands, and he and he needs to be allowed to do it without pressure, without without you know. People, people slating them after one or two games isn't going to do us any any favours. I mean, God forbid that happens, but I mean, you know, it could start really well and it could all be moot, I guess. Um, but just let 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 the man do his job. I suppose is is, is my message, and and hopefully he, he gets it right first time. If he doesn't, so what? We have, we have to just you know get past this first couple of years and and, and get ourselves on a solid foot, and then hopefully long term we'll become a Premier League again. Who is financially stable and, and is stable on the pitch also. Fair enough. Yeah, well, I, I would completely agree with that. I, th- I think it's best to keep our expectations relatively low, but certainly hope for the best. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, that's all we've got. It might be what kills us, but it's also all we've got. Well, thanks very much for joining us for this. Thanks, lads, for giving me your time and helping me out with this. I just want to say to our readers, uh, here on the Roker Report, we started out very small. Uh, obviously, as a division of the Rogue Report, which you should go to for some absolutely fantastic opinion from fans, for the fans, opinions about the club and speculation about transfers and everything. On a daily basis, we pump out quality content. So I would absolutely strongly advise you to go visit that. Just to those of you who listen and subscribe, just want to say thank you, really, because it went from dozens of you to now we, we have thousands of you tuning into every episode, which is quite incredible and we're we're just really happy and grateful that you enjoy what we've got to say we enjoy providing you this free service don't forget it's free if you want to donate to us you can always do no not really you don't have to donate any money this is just off our back for you so yeah thanks very much for joining us don't forget now that we're coming back into the new season not quite yet but the next episode will spell the beginning of a regular from us we can stop being lazy because there's actually things happening which is fantastic so yeah don't forget, you can subscribe to us on Acast and iTunes, and do visit www.rokerreport.com for some brilliant quality content on the day-to-day. 
Yeah, that'll be all from us, and we look forward to giving you a new episode sometime in the next couple of weeks. Enjoy yourselves and enjoy the football. This is the Rocket Report signing off. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.